everyone, and welcome to episode 266 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Seth Fred Olive, and we have the full crew here this week, starting with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. What's going on this week, Richard? Hey, Seth. Nothing much. Nothing much. Ah, uh, that's that's good. And, of course, we also have another co-host in Krim. How are you today, Krim? Um, I'm happy my internet works, so... Uh, <laughs> I'm back. So you, you got it fixed, finally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that is good. Good to have you back. We missed you last week. Was it... Did... So I don't know if I read this. We were, like, typing out on Discord. Did you say that, like, rodents chewed through your wiring or something? I remember yeah. a mention of, like, rodents. Is Was there rodents involved in this internet issue? <laughs> yep, yep. There was wildlife <laughs> involved. Uh, there's tons of, like, possums and ridiculous amounts of wildlife things in my house or not in my house but like in your house <laughs> yeah I just live in a zoo uh and then you know, yeah like so my dog who like also like gets get angry at all these rodents all of that was like barking the whole time and does it all the time but yeah so i guess they chewed through some of the wiring that was laid down by the internet company and so it just didn't work and i was just like out of internet until like for half the day so oh well i am uh i'm glad that it got fixed and you're back with us this week because we have a bunch of interesting topics to talk about so this is kind of a unique podcast in some sense we don't have any tournament results but we got a bunch of kind of smaller topics to jump around to we got more secret layers announced we have underworld breach uh kind of dominating in legacy paper standard is a uh, kind of in a weird spot we wanted to discuss that they have canceled a magic fest magic fest touring thanks to coronavirus so we wanted to get into that a little bit magic legends a new game that's releasing. So we're just going to be jumping all over from topic to topic today, hitting on a bunch of different things. But before we jump into it, a reminder that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit. And if you have ever struggled with the hassle of selling magic cards, it's a lot of work. It takes a lot of time to sort and catalog and type stuff. Uh, this is the way to go. Card Conduit is the easiest way to sell your magic cards. It's a new service from the folks over at Card Hoarder, and they will take in sort, sell, and grade your magic cards and once your shipment is processed you'll receive the proceeds minus their fee and right now you can get a 10% discount by going to cardconduit.com slash goldfish so thank you to card conduit for supporting the podcast today and let's talk some magic starting with secret layer so somehow in the last week since we podcasted i believe there's been two new secret layer announcements we got a secret layer for international women's day and then a secret layer celebrating i guess new cards coming to historic on arena so richard what secret layers are on the horizon all right we have thalia guardian of thraben set of four so four new arts for thalia coming in at 29.99 march 12th 9 a.m. Pacific time. Okay. And then I think there... Did we talk about International Women's Day or no? Mm, I thought this was the International Women's Day drop, no? No, no, no. no, no, no. no. There's there's another one. Yeah. Wait, what? What? <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, okay, oh, we so, talked about that last week. Okay, I know you're talking... The Saskia one, right? The Saskia, yeah. That's the International Women's Day one. Oh, my God. There's so many secret layers that we can't even keep up with our <laughs> weekly <laughs> podcast. That, <laughs> that was actually let's fix this so we originally had the international women's day one and then we got a leak of thalia right someone on reddit posted the leak and then watsi then just released the thalia one afterwards so because i was totally unprepared let me look up the international women's day one <laughs> so it was captain sisse uh una queen of the fey marin of clan neltooth neltoth narset and lightning <laughs> master saskia the un 
yielding all with different art as well so two secret layers yeah i believe these are going for sale uh like a week apart i want to see march, march 6 uh march 8th okay is international women's day and then march 13th i believe is uh is the thalia drop so these are coming high and heavy i guess what do you think all right before we talk about these individually <laughs> what do you just think about the number of secret layers i think maybe we answered this question accidentally by richard <laughs> like struggling to remember all that had been announced in just the last week's time like I don't know. What do you think about the number? Are there too many secret layers? Are they coming out too often at this point? I mean, you hit it right there. Like, I just do not care about the the first set, right? Like, I don't like the art. Uh, I like Thalia is like one of my favorite cards. So that's why I remembered it. But like, these things are coming a week apart. Like, they're no longer special. Like, there's just so many of them. Like, okay, okay, what's the one after Thalia, right? Like, what's the one after that, right? Like, why would I ever buy anything now because another one might come around the corner so i feel like it was a cool concept but it was kind of like masterpieces or ultimate box toppers i don't know there's just like so many of these things now like i don't know what's going on anymore so you just kind of sit around and wait for like some art you like and then like that's it right yeah what do you think Grim? i think that's why it's it's great uh i'm actually a, a huge fan of this uh these because it's i love promos though so i will i will always enjoy these style of like drops uh, but yeah, like I like that I can just jump in and buy whatever, whichever one I want, whichever, like I, I bought Year of the Rat, but I didn't buy some of the other ones. So like, I don't think I need to buy them all. And it, it, I, I like that there's something for everybody in this. So I, I'm a fan. It's cool. Just alternate art. Uh, there are a lot. Uh, and I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing when, if you're an EDH player, I feel like these are pretty sweet. Like, I, I, I can tell you that right now, a lot of, of, like, if you're an EDH player, there's a lot of things here that you want. Like, I love the International Women's Day drop. I, I'm huge on Una and, you know, like, Narset, so I think they're pretty cool. Yeah, that the International Women's Day one is really good for EDH. But, Krim, you buy, like, basically every promo. <laughs> What is, is enough true. enough? Like, we have a lot of promos here. Like, what is enough? Like, how bling can your EDH deck get? <laughs> or are well, you on to, like, <laughs> blinging out your, like, sixth one? <laughs> okay, okay. I'm not even trying to, like, entirely bling my deck. I guess it's more of, like, I do enjoy different artworks, right? Because, like, one of the biggest appeals, uh, at least in Magic for me, obviously the gameplay is fun and all that, but I do enjoy Magic's artwork, right? So... It's just like getting another art piece, uh, and it's cool to look at. So I enjoy it, um, just, just for that, on that, uh, like, f for that reason alone. On top of that, if it's also just like different artworks to like mix and match, sure, why not? I'll throw that in there too. Like, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, I think two within a week is, is a lot. Like, that is, a lot more than I was expecting. I was thinking it's like two announcements. Once so it's two announcements, but are are they released on the same day? No, they're released one like a week apart. Oh, that's not the same then. <laughs> oh, that's not the same. That's fine. That's two. But I mean, that's, that's a week that's apart. A, that's a, that's kind of a lot. I think in my I was thinking maybe like once a month would be a pretty fast paced schedule, but multiples in a month seems like a lot to me. At the same time, like I do agree with Krim to some extent that. I don't know. They're, these aren't necessarily things that I care about. And if you care about them, great. So like, whatever, like, I guess giving something for everyone, but it does seem like it's, uh, happening at a pretty hap uh, fast pace. 
I don't know about the International Women's Day drop. One of the things, and you can tell me if I'm being unfair with this criticism. So one of the uh, gimmicks, I guess, of the International Women's Day drop, which is awesome, is they're donating part of the proceeds uh, to the World Association of Girl Guides and Girl Scouts. Uh, so that's awesome. But they also increase the price of the drop, uh, presumably to make up for the fact that they are donating some of the proceeds. Is it cynical of me to be like, ah, come on, Wizards, you make like millions of dollars a day with these things. Do you really got to up the price to donate some of it? Oh, a little sketchy. So like people say like, OK, so Wizards is donating $25. They charge more. So it's like it's, if you're donating $25, but it's not like that because they get like tax breaks and things like that. So that part's a little sketchy. But net overall, they are still bringing awareness to the association. Uh, and they're bringing awareness to International Women's Day, so that's good, right? Uh, but charging more and then donating some of it uh, is less good. So I, I don't know. I think net overall, it's still pretty good to bring awareness because uh, I didn't know it was International Women's Day, right? Now I do, right? So I think that's good. But the donation part is a little a little questionable. I, I do enjoy, like, example, like, yeah, like Richard mentioned, uh, the, the awareness brought to it. Um, and, yeah, like... I, I didn't really, I'm going to be honest with you, when they announced that, you know, like, yeah, they are raising the price, I didn't think too much, I didn't look too much into it, right? It's just like, cool, it goes to, like, a sweet cause uh, and whatnot, so I was just, I didn't look at it any any deeper than that, so uh, yeah. I guess it's just, like, yeah, sure, 50 bucks, it is a lot, uh, but I mean, when I look at the cards themselves, too, like, a lot of this is, it adds up, right? Like, it, it, these are sweet cards, uh, and... I don't mind, but I, once again, it's just because I like promos and I like all these things and I like the fact that they're donating to charity and, and kind of, or to raise awareness. And I do think that like, though they have two announcements of a secret layer drop within a week, it is because, you know, like there are a few special events. So like, I assume it won't always be like that, right? There's obviously going to be weeks, like sometimes where we won't have an announcement for like a month, right? I, I, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> so you, so you think that, so you think that kind of the International Women's Day one is kind of like a bonus drop almost, like yeah. not part of the regular schedule of drops. That, that could be. And I do want to make it super clear. Like, I think it's awesome that Wizards is bringing awareness to International Women's Day, supporting charity. Like, and I, I agree with Richard. I think it's a net positive overall, even though Jackie up the price, it just rubbed me a little bit the wrong way. Just cause I know how much money Wizards makes off these. I think there was some like data mining from the God drop that suggested they sold 40,000 of the full like 15 god five drop packages which is seven million dollars or something (laughs) like that in a in a day so when you look at the amount of money that's being brought in by these things i guess in some sense it's not surprising they want to keep doing this because the the numbers are huge like the amount of money they bring in by these is just like absolutely staggering once again edh players <laughs> and crims and crims who want every crims and edh players are are, are, for, are to blame forget edh give me 4x play sets thalia mismatched art what do i do guys <laughs> i don't want to play four mismatched arts do i buy four secret layers to get four copies of the same thalia no what you play the four here? you play the four mismatched arts <laughs> Oh, so this hurts I, me. What? <laughs> I would say that you don't buy the drop. I think looking at my expectation, is, and I did a little bit of research on this for an article I published yesterday that you should check out on the Goldfish site, a uh, shameless plug there. But 
I think that what we saw with the Thalia drop uh, most likely will compare to like the Serum Vision drop, which was the same kind of gimmick, four different arts of the same card. And if you look at the Serum Visions drop, if you only want four copies of one art, you're basically almost always better off just buying four copies in the secondary market. So Thalia right now is like a 750 something like that dollar card. So I think if you want four copies of one of these arts, you don't buy the drop and you just wait and pick them up for seven or eight bucks a piece on the secondary market, I think is the way to go. But I feel like they're not all going to be the same price. What do you, what, what do you think? I feel true. like the art I like is actually just superior to all the other ones so this one what? thalia will take up all of the value while the other thalias you know basically are free or you're not free because thalia is an expensive card but you know a lot less i mean that that kind of did happen with certain visions there is one that's like 25 percent more than the others uh, yeah. so if you do like the most popular art and everyone agrees that's the most popular art that is that is possible that you could end up paying more yeah. Hmm. What art do you like, just out of curiosity? The the one in the chapel or whatever with the hair down. The, the oh, close-up I think one. I just <laughs> I did a I did a Twitter poll on this. Let's see how is that, is that the least popular goes. one? Come on, save Let's, me some money. <laughs> uh second. That's actually the the second to most popular. People like the the like one where I don't know who it is. Uh, someone's kind of like sneaking up behind her with a sword. That was the most popular one. Okay. And then the close up in the yeah. chapel is the second most popular. All right. Maybe I'm good then. Maybe, so if it's, if it's not clearly a front runner, then they'll just all roughly be like a quarter of the price. Yeah. I mean, that's out of like 3,000 votes on Twitter. So hopefully, hopefully you're good to pick them up on the secondary market. Wait, but you said the most popular one is the one with like the spirit behind her? Right? Not the like Geist of St. Traft. It's, I, I think people said it's the hell, hell, hell of a being open yeah. or oh, yeah, something yeah. is what vault. it actually yeah, it is. is. The, oh, it's the, oh. the angle, the angle is like from under her with the hell vault. <laughs> yeah. The I like that's, that's the one that's most popular according to my Twitter poll. You like I the like Geist the of St. Ma- Traft one? <laughs> no, 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 I like the Magali one, the, the one that looks like the classic MTG. Uh, battle pose, right? You have the, uh, the, like, what is it? Deicide? The artwork where, like, Thalia's jumping towards something. We're well, not really jumping towards it, but, like, she's, oh. like, stabbing, like, a light is that, spear. Is that an Emerald? Oh, the Eldrazi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, like, fighting Eldrazi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is she fighting Eldrazi? Well, either way, I like that one. <laughs> I think the least popular one by far is the one with the, the Geist in the background. Like, that was way behind the others in terms of popularity. I'm gonna have to make a Thalia Geist of St. Traff deck. <laughs> yeah, or, or even better, you you like you big like, big brain it and you buy all the Geist ones because that's the least popular. So you play all. <laughs> so the people are like, why are you playing that art? I'm like, because it's good. Uh, so so that's secret layers. More are coming and more are coming. Those two, I think, go on sale in the next couple of weeks. So if you're interested in them, uh, you can check them out over on the Wizard site. Also, slightly related to secret layers, there was this little bit of news about premium uh, game stores getting a copy of select secret layers <laughs> this week a copy does a yeah said a copy of select secret layers does that uh, solve the issue that some people have had about uh lgs is sort of getting cut out of the secret layer marketplace the one copy <laughs> like I'm, I'm so confused because <laughs> these are still limited time sales right you still have to buy them uh, kind of like for 24 hours on the day. So how does... I'm, so how I'm reading it is like, they'll give them for free a copy. 
and then I'm assuming they can run like a tournament or something. Like, oh. hey, we're doing this tournament. You can win this copy that Wizards gave us, or they can just open them and sell them for singles. I, as far as the document, it didn't say there were any conditions on them or anything. This is a terrible looking bone to throw the LGSs because I was about to ask you guys like first for like secret layer. Is it taking away from LGSs? You know, there was just one, so we didn't know. But now that they're coming out like weekly, like why am I ever gonna buy a, a premium single from a store? I just wait for the secret layer drop. They're gonna undercut the secondary market to sell it, and I can just get it fresh direct from Wizards. Like, is this making it worse for game stores? There's there's been some mixed feedback. Uh, some I've heard some people that are in that kind of space say this isn't that big of a deal. And then I've heard other local game store owners be very vocal about how this is a really bad thing for local game stores. So maybe it kind of depends on the individual store. But I do think, my guess is, overall, it is probably a net negative for local game stores. Just because, like, I think Bitter Blossom is still the easiest example. If you're a local game store, you want to have Bitter Blossom in stock to sell to whoever wants a copy of Bitter Blossom, you're going to have to buy those from someone for, like, $30, because it's a $40 card. And then Wizards just prints a bunch of Bitter Blossoms and sells them for $30. It's going to make it really hard for you to sell your $30 not cool promo Bitter Blossom (laughs) for any amount of profit. So I do think there is some amount of concern there. Although so far, for the most part, it's been like random commander cards and stuff, which hopefully, I think for me, the drops I'm concerned about most are things like Bitter Blossom and then the X4 Constructed Staple. Like I think Thalia is a big example. Like, that's a card that people need a place set of to play constructed. The like International Women's Day, a bunch of like cool looking commanders, whatever. I think local game stores can deal with that. But I think play sets of constructed staple drops are definitely the ones that make me most concerned for local game stores. All right. Well, speaking of local game stores, we have another topic that's kind of <laughs> a little bit related. There was a a couple of posts on the Magic Reddits over the weekend about Paper Standard. And one of them came along with this uh, screenshot of a local game store that their standard showdown had zero players and Full Proxy Vintage had like 10 and there was a draft going. Basically, no one was playing standard uh, in paper. And the conversation kind of revolved around, not that standard is bad right now, from reading through a bunch of the comments, it seemed like most people felt that standard right now is in a reasonably healthy place. It's not the greatest standard of all time, but it's not a bad standard. But the question uh, people have kind of been bantering about is, it has a rough couple of years of standard, with all the bannings, with a shift towards arena for standard play. Is this having some lingering effects where even though standard is decent right now, people are hesitant to buy paper standard decks because there might be more bannings or they're just playing on arena? What do you think about the state of standard in the paper world and has the couple of years of bannings and just overall not great times in standard had a lasting impact on the format's health in the, in paper? I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily the bannings i mean yes there is some concern right in in the like you know in the market so whatnot to buy paper stuff but i honestly just feel like it's you could play standard at home without driving going anywhere and you can even do it to a competitive level right once a month or every few months um so i i don't know i just feel like at least for me when i go out now when i play paper magic i'm only playing modern or pioneer or commander like that's it Standard, I can play at home, or unless it's like a Magic Fest or something like that, right? Like, if I'm going out for a big tournament, then sure, I'll play Standard. But I don't know, like, I th- like I think that Arena just... I'm not going to lie to you, I'd rather just play online for paper, I mean, for Standard. 
I think, I mean, that is a fair point. So you think that maybe it's arena that's kind of cannibalizing paper standard to some extent. I mean, it's just, it's, I wouldn't say that that's the only reason maybe, like, but I, I feel like a heavy, it is a big player in it because it is more convenient, right? Like I don't have to, I don't know. Like put on clothes and, and go outside and then go go. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so, so I don't want to. So let me let, tying your shoes. That's a lot of work, dude. Like, <laughs> so let me ask you, Crib. This is this is something I'm kind of wondering. So, uh, do you think your overall attendance of paper events? has dropped since you started playing more standard on arena or do you still go to just as many but you're going to modern events and pioneer events like do you think you go to your local game store and play magic less often now but that you're playing standard on arena no i i definitely go the same amount i would i go to like fnm's uh like weekend events and stuff like that but i only go for modern and pioneer um and to be honest with you that's just because like I, I enjoy, I still enjoy the paper interaction, right? There's still an interaction that you get from playing paper magic that you can't get playing online, obviously. Uh, but I, I go for that and, but I go for Pioneer and Modern just because I, yeah, like I just, I just don't feel the need to ever play standard in paper. Well, all right. Follow up question then. We know they're working on getting Pioneer at least on Arena. Right. Do you have any concern that, like, if they get Pioneer on Arena, and maybe someday Modern on Arena, will you just, like, never go to your local game store anymore? Like, this isn't just you, but people in general. Like, I'm kind of using you as, like, uh, an example of everyone. So, do you think, like, that's a concern? Like, once Arena gets more and more, is that same shift going to keep happening? And eventually, like, no one just goes to their local game store to play anything but Commander once in a while or something? Well, I mean, okay, so I was... was talking to people like I talk to people all the time when I play events right and I I, I ask them this and they're like oh yeah you know I mean like it, it's so much easier to test my decks online uh, and it costs them just wild cards I don't have to spend like a real amount of money on these decks so I can play all these different decks right that's that's what they they talk about like at least when it comes to standard right and so like once that happens to let's just say like maybe other formats I would say like pioneer and whatnot like it it will be a thing, right? People will be like, well, it's a lot easier to play Pioneer online. I have to trade a rare wild card instead of like $40 for an Uro or something like that, right? Or I mean a mythic rare wild card or something like that. So it, there is, I do see that potentially being a factor uh, because it's just a lot easier. It really is. Like the way Arena functions and how smooth it is. Like or smoother <laughs> than than like like Moto and stuff like that. I find it kind of just easy to play at home. But at the same time, I'm a little bit different because I also will always go to my LGS because there's still something about Paper Magic. So the, the, the there's a few factors at play because there's also just that standards in a weird spot right now because like it's a it's considered a healthy format, right? But like it's also I don't know it just doesn't feel like I want to play too much of it sometimes. <laughs> so so the format might be healthy, but not yeah, as it's, fun as it it's could not be. Fun, right? <laughs> it's weird. It's weird how to say it, like how how it sounds like, yeah, like it's it's healthy, but it's not fun. Like I'd I'd rather just play Cobblade mirrors all day long. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what I mean? Like I, I actually like it, kinda know what you're saying. Like I, I think I actually agree with you very much with standard. Like 
yes, there are, like, the rock, paper, scissors, there's different decks, uh, a few different decks, uh, for standards, uh, normal amount of decks, at least. It's, it's reasonably diverse, I think, but it is, like, it's mono-red again. Oh, it's blue-white control again. I have kind of had the exact same experience where, yeah, it's healthy, quote-unquote, if you just, like, look through the data, but it's not especially enjoyable a lot of the times. Yeah, like, I, I mean, like, it's crazy because to me, the, the fun stuff in standard right now is all like the the stuff that <laughs> you really have to work to win like i i mean i i i built a grixis aggro deck and that's how i've been I, like winning my matches that's what i hit mythic with and and it was hilarious because i found that i climbed with that like from gold to mythic easier than i did with blue white also wow yeah like like blue white i was i would lose two hour games and it's just like oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) so like the volume of games is like ridiculous right but yeah so like i I don't know standard right now is in a weird spot too so there's a few factors at play right and i mean i do and like if i wanted to play standard i could just play it at home yeah what do you think on this richard so on the topic of standard so although it is balanced it is not new uh, so when I when I play arena, I play mono red, which is like literally the same deck from it's combo past standards, right? But I'm but the, the thing is, I'm not only playing the same deck; I'm playing against the same deck. I'm like Jess guy fires, seen this for like months, right? Like control deck, you know, Jun food, like same, like it's the same stuff, all with like you know one new card added in, and nothing has dramatically changed. Like the format still revolves around. It's a fairy, Ember Cleaves, Jeskai, uh, not Jeskai, um, what's the thing? What's the four drop? Fires of Invention. Uh, like those kind of cards we've seen already, right? And the same thing just happens over and over again. So like Krim, like I play very little standard, right? I play a bit of standard and after a couple matches, I'm like, okay, I'm done. And I move on, which is different from when we have a fresh standard where people are playing new cards. Uh, so yeah, I don't want to play rehash standard and I'm even less likely to go to an LGS. However, I think LGSs perform a different function nowadays, right? If you're just trying to grind matches of magic, online is always best, right? Even before arena, uh, magic online was the best. You go to the LGS for social reasons. Uh, but however, if it's like too inconvenient, you don't go anymore, right? Like if there's an LGS that's like five minutes away, I'll go every Friday night. But I don't have one that's five minutes away. It's like 40 minutes away in traffic. Parking is hard. Got to come home. Got to buy paper cards. It's like so much work. So unless I already have a group of friends going, I'm like, what's the point of going, right? I'll just stay home and do some other type of entertainment. And there's arena to cover that. Uh, so because of arena, there's just less people going out. And then because there's less people going out, the, the LGS is kind of mashed together into like jumbo LGSs. And then it's like hard to get to. And then no one goes. So, yeah, that's why I don't go anymore. Like, when I lived in a major city and I had an LGS, like, two minutes away, yeah, it was, like, so easy to go, right? You just go, hang out, eat some food, play some magic. It's just, like, hanging out. But now it's, like, a a journey to go play magic. So I just don't do it, right? I haven't played Paper Standard in, like, literal years. Like, I think the last deck... I don't even know what my last standard deck was in, in paper, right? It's been that long. I, that's that's what I was wondering, because, yeah, I mean, like, I, I'm lucky, right? I have an LGS that is actually just, like, five minutes from me. So, like, yeah. that 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 is that is true. Like, I have an LGS that's five minutes from me, and, I, and that's probably why I still go so much. Like, it, it, it's also because, like, it's the weekly meetup spot for my friends and I. 
So that so the social aspect seems like a a big part of it. Like yeah. if your friends weren't if your friends I don't know scattered around to different jobs and weren't there anymore, do you think you would still go as often? I don't know if I would. To be honest with you, like like Richard said, and like how I had mentioned earlier, there is something that you just can't get from online magic, and it is that social interaction, right? Like the whole talking and meeting up with your friends and and all of that. So. And then just going, like, to get, I don't know, food and then just sit around and just talk magic. Like, that's, that is the biggest draw of going to my LGS. Uh, every, like, the playing magic part, yeah, I could just play at home. And, but at the same time, ah, it's, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird cycle. Like, if you're, if you're, if you're definitely not in an area that has a bunch of LGSs too, I am lucky in that I have, like, I think three all within, like, 10 to 15 minutes. And they're all relatively decently sized, uh, places. So, I don't know. It, it, it's in a weird place right now for yeah. me. I, I wonder if streaming has also kind of killed the LGS. Like, right now, I could just, you know, go hang out, watch a magic stream, sit around with a couple hundred or thousand people and chat magic for a couple hours while watching some games, right? Like, maybe that is replacing the social gathering on Friday where we sit around and talk about you know, oh, I broke standard with this like card, right? <laughs> now you could do it in someone's Twitch chat, right? So I yeah, like I and wonder social media and Reddit and Twitter, like there's so many ways you can talk yeah. magic now that weren't necessarily there a few years ago. So you can be social with Magic the Gathering without actually meeting in real life, which was not yeah. a thing when we had Magic Online because no one streamed it, and then the online communities were a lot uh smaller. So maybe maybe that has part part to you know, do with this too that actually is an interesting point i i don't know that that could actually be a thing like i don't know i feel like would i still go to an lgs if i got if i hadn't been going like pretty much since i was a little kid because I've, I've grown up in almost the the same lgs i've gone to like i've been going to my lgs since like fourth grade and the same one like because it's been in the air <laughs> it's been in the same area since then right they they've had a few they've locations moved around but the same area right so like, I don't know, would I still go to an LGS if I hadn't, like, started at such a, like, a young age? I don't know. That sounds get, like get a... Hook, so if you were... Get a, hook young. That, like, like, it sounds almost like a, <laughs> a problem when you say it, when I say it Kids, like that. Stay away from LGS. <laughs> don't it's touch magic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, all right. So, so I think that's uh, actually a good transition to one of our other topics, which is social events like magic tournaments and coronavirus which is going on right now this week we had magic fest touring canceled uh, because of coronavirus there's a bunch more magic fest on the schedule uh this doesn't directly relate to what we were talking about although maybe it does to some extent i could see people not wanting to go to their lgs and do an fnm if this coronavirus uh keeps accelerating and going around the country and becomes uh, even more of a, a endemic. So what do you think about magic tournaments over the next, let's say three to six months? We saw Touring canceled. There's a pretty big list of magic fest. Plus there's SCG opens and other tournament series. Should we be expecting like more cancellations? And even if, let me ask you this as well, even if it's not canceled, let's say uh, Toronto's coming up in May 22nd, Houston, April 24th, should people think twice about going to these events uh, for their own safety and health reasons? Well, let me tell you guys that I'm thinking about Vegas this year, <laughs> about what we're going to do. 
because anyone who goes to these big events often knows about like the dreaded PAX flu or convention flu, like in normal times, right? It, like you just have so many people coming together from all over the world in like super dense spots, right? Like you're like all crammed together, like 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 in a tiny convention hall. You're not eating well, you're not sleeping well. Diseases spread, right? So now that we have like coronavirus, like do you really want to be doing this, right? Like all it takes is one person, right? Like one person has it and it's spread. So, you know, if it's not critical, like I, I would kind of be staying home, right? Like I don't know if I want to go out and you know, like if you get it, you're probably not, you know, if you're a healthy individual, like probably nothing's going to happen to you. Right. But you could spread it to your grandparents. You could spread it to someone else who then spreads it to someone who's sick and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like kind of snowballs like that. So while you yourself are probably fine, like, did we really need to go grind that standard Grand Prix? Like, I don't know. So I feel like a lot of these events will start shutting down uh, like they already have in like other countries. Right. And, you know, the Olympics is at risk and like concerts and things are at risk. And so I don't see why magic is any different. So I would actually keep my eye out. If you're booking flights and hotels for like a magic fest, I would see if you can get one that's like refundable so that in the in the event that, you know, it is canceled, you can get your money back and you're not just kind of out of luck. But yeah, I think it's it's happening. Right. Like a magic fest tour and already canceled. And that was for April third right april third fourth so that's about a month uh, yeah. out and it's canceled already yeah i've i've been dealing there's a scg open uh, in syracuse which isn't super far away from me that i've been putting on going to the end of march and uh i'm having second thoughts even about that which i think is less extreme than like gp vegas or something where you have so many people from everywhere but one of the things for me personally going to events is I usually like shake a lot of hands, meet a lot of people. Like I'm probably even more, <laughs> more at risk for picking up stuff than the average person going to one of these conventions. So I've kind of been wondering the same thing. I would also not be surprised to start seeing more Magic Fest kind of drop off the list, uh, and get canceled just as a precautionary measure. And, Maybe that's, maybe that's just what we gotta do. Like, at some point, like you said, uh, you gotta think about everyone else. Like, even if you yourself are probably gonna be fine, like, it'll suck to get coronavirus and you'll have a flu or whatever and get better most likely. Yeah, it, it, it does suck to also be part of the problem and potentially be like passing that on to other people that maybe are not in a place where coronavirus is just like, oh, it's a bummer that I haven't felt good for a couple of weeks and it could be something more serious. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, how big a video would it be if they did? Like, we have, what, 12 Magic Fests coming up between April and June. How big of a deal would it be to Magic overall if it was just like, all right, this is, it's over, it's done. We're canceling all of these. Uh, no Magic Fest between April and the end of June. We'll reevaluate, like, this summer and see where we're at. I mean, yeah, like, it, it's obviously going to suck, right? Like, it, it's going to suck because there's a lot of things that are also already in place, like all the travel and whatnot for, for other people that have planned it in advance. Yeah. And then, like, also for those that are looking to, like, queue for the events, how are they going to do it then, right? That's that's a really good point, too. Like, uh, GPs do count towards qualifying for things, yeah. so they are kind of important from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, have you... I was talking to Seth, like, have you guys been to Costco or a Walmart or a Target recently? <laughs> like, oh, boy, <laughs> right? Like, people yeah. are buying stuff like it's the apocalypse, right? Like, it, it, there, is really nothing, there is there nothing. There is nothing on the shelves lines out the door of like the like Costco Target had like 
No, absolutely zero. Not even the mini portable travel size uh, <laughs> hand sanitizer. Hand sanitizer, <laughs> yep. I checked too, my friend. It was empty. It was actually empty. And then there's, I think one of the funniest things for me that I, I saw was that I was, I went to go buy water. Not because I was like worried about the apocalypse. I just needed to re-up on bottled water. <laughs> but right where the like the water was, which was empty by the way, was just a bottle of bourbon. And I'm like, wow, somebody <laughs> was like, <laughs> do I, I, I imagine somebody going through this dilemma of do I get the water or buy this bottle of bourbon? So they had to leave the bourbon behind. <laughs> and it was like a real decision tree that they went through to like come to that conclusion. Yeah. Uh, it's actually pretty interesting. This is how like panic starts, right? Because I went to Costco with like, I'm just buying daily groceries. But like everyone is walking out with like stacks of water, toilet paper, pasta. I'm like, well, I guess got to buy some too, right? Because next week there ain't going to be any left, right? So, so I'm like walking out with stacks of stuff, even though I didn't intend to do it. And I'm like, this is how it happens, right? Like probably one guy went there with the intent of buying stuff. And then like two seconds later, the whole store is sold out because everyone's like, well, I need like 80 gallons of water too, right? Like why not, right? So, <laughs> Yeah. So do you think it would have a huge impact on Magic's bottom line though? Like if we did end up getting a big chunk of Magic Fest canceled or because of what we were talking about before, like more play happening on Arena, et cetera, et cetera, like maybe in 2020 with all the digital stuff going on, maybe magic could survive that i mean i don't think magic's gonna die like they could cancel gps period and i don't think magic would die but maybe they're in a place where canceling gps is less painful because of arena and all that kind of stuff oh 100 percent. have you have you seen the stock market (laughs) step two like so even now right like prices uh stock prices are tanking everyone's afraid what does this mean right like let's say corona outbreaks you don't go to work right you you make less money are you still gonna go buy magic cards like no right you're hoarding water and stuff from costco right so like the economic impacts will be huge like not just the canceled events but i will be less likely to buy packs of magic cards i might be less likely to buy a booster box of icoria i might be less likely to buy gems on arena because i need to save for a disaster or i haven't been working because everyone's been quarantined or you know whatever right so there's a lot of implications of that but just looking at the stock market overall like everyone is taking a hit and so will wizards and so will all businesses like small and big right i i mean i don't know what you're talking about i'm just gonna hoard a bunch of cards that are gonna drop in price <laughs> and look <laughs> i did it already in middle like in middle school i didn't eat so i saved my lunch money <laughs> to buy magic cards <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait, Crib. I'll, I'll trade your foil Thalia for this bottle of water. Do you want it? <laughs> Done. Give me it. <laughs> How about some canned beets? See, see, see. No, no, no. Deck? You're thinking way too small right now. I'm gonna be like, oh, did you want some of these fruit gushers? Underground sea. <laughs> give me that. <laughs> so, so, all right. Before we move on, give me, give me your prediction. We have ten GPS, not counting turn, which was already canceled. Uh, ranging basically all across the world from April 10th to June 19th. How many of those do you think will end up being canceled? Uh, I think more than Turin. Yeah, I (laughs) I think more than Turin can get canceled. I can definitely see Turin more than Turin getting canceled. What do you think about uh, specifically US GPs? Like, so far we've seen Turin canceled. So far, other countries like Japan have taken way more, uh, I guess, extreme steps to 
prevent coronavirus, like canceling school and stuff that we haven't seen in the U.S. yet. If you're going to like Palm Beach or Houston or Charlotte over the next couple of months, are you pretty confident? Like, should you still be booking tickets and hotel rooms for those? Or are you thinking in the back of your head, like, there's a legitimate chance that this might get canceled? Like, uh, are, are U.S. GPs safe in your opinion at this point? I don't think anywhere, really, right? Like, I mean, like, the U.S. is starting to get it. So... If you're if you're worried about getting the coronavirus, that's that's I, I think that yeah, like USGPs are still likely to get canceled. And but at, like I don't know, it's just one of those questions. Like, are you gonna go anyways? Do you care? Like, I mean, like it's not like the fatality rate is like high unless you're like an elderly person, unfortunately. So I mean, uh, like I don't know. Like it's up to you if you want to like roll the dice yeah i i would hedge my bets and buy things that are refundable yeah right like that makes sense book the hotel where you don't prepay everything but you pay on the spot and you have like 48 hours to cancel things like that but i would say no one knows right like you who knows like judging by the people at costco like yeah there's gonna be no magic fest right like everyone's (laughs) panicking but maybe nothing happens right it's it's getting warmer you know, we're, we're headed into summertime, so there will just be less flu and cold and stuff like that. So maybe it just fizzles out and we just go all back to business as normal and no problem. Or it spirals out of control and everyone's quarantined, right? Like nobody knows. So I don't know. Book Zombies. Stuff. It's zombies. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's not zombies, but <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I think that's good advice to, to try to focus on refundable stuff and definitely just think it through. Think through your personal, uh, lifestyle and situations, not necessarily a hundred percent for yourself, but who you're interacting with, uh, on a daily basis. Cause you don't want to accidentally end up getting those people sick. So definitely stuff to think through. Thankfully, uh, like Krim was talking about earlier, we got Arena now. So there still are ways you can get your magic fix without necessarily going to a magic fest, which is at least some, uh, you know, small upside there. But anyway, we got to move on. We're, we're going long. We still got Fishmail to get to, but we also have Magic Legends. And I'm going to lean hard on both you and Krim for this. Uh, I think this is like a magic league of legends style game uh no, more or less totally it, wrong no it's, yeah. <laughs> this well, is how branding explain works it to me. magic explain it to me bracket league of legends uh it, it is it, an mmo but it looks like diablo it basically yeah. looks so much like diablo that i could not even tell it was a magic game <laughs> but they basically they released a beast caller class gameplay video you can actually check it out on youtube uh where there's a beast master or a beast caller walking through summoning generic looking beasts fighting goblins and things like that but it looks like a hack and slash it looks like diablo and uh i have to say it doesn't feel very magic-y to me i don't i don't really know why but it just feels like you know you're watching a generic hack and slash so i'm not too excited about it i on the other hand <laughs> am very pumped for this game <laughs> um i mean it's because like if you look at the armor and all of that to me it still looks very magic right like some of it looks pretty mad especially the beast collar stuff it just feels like stuff i would see out of like green cards and stuff like that uh and I like the idea behind like how you get your powers in the game like it's like a deck of cards uh you know like the the, like the spells you attach to each button there's even a card that just i think it it looks like stampede like it's like just like an animation of stampede a bunch of bayloths or something or boars just like like charging through your opponents and like summoning gigantic spectral like 
beasts. I think that's like a giant growth spell or something like that, right? Uh, the, the, the there's all the classes look interesting too, like the mind mage, which is like obviously Jace. Um, so I, I don't know. It does seem interesting. I want to like obviously right now is a little bit early. I want to play the game a lot more myself uh, before I make a final opinion on it. But like from the looks of it, it just it does it looks fun to me. But it I enjoy those kind of like Diablo looking games. Oh, I love Diablo. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know. About, I don't know. I, I just wish they used like something more iconic to magic. Like I don't know, like a very unique looking plane. Like here, I don't know what they're walking through. But if they were walking through like Kaladesh or something, you you can yeah. probably tell it's magic, right? But right now it's just like there are some wolves like and spiders attacking some goblins, and I have an axe, and I don't know. It just looks generic RPG. But we'll see how it goes, and I wonder how they're gonna fit in like. Uh, the the named characters like are you gonna see Chandra? You gonna see Nicobolus? Like stuff like that, or is this gonna they, be? They mentioned Derigaz. Who's Derigaz? The, the dragon. <laughs> the dragon. The the Which one dragon? of the the Jund one. Oh, the elder. Oh, the elder dragon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know like two dragons, Nicobolus and Ugin. <laughs> oh right, 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 right. But then, yeah, like they they mentioned that, and like it's like oh, we must get. This, uh, I forgot, like, we must get this loot or whatever, this, these, these cloths. I don't know what they're grabbing, okay? <laughs> to, to Dari Gods. And I'm like, heck yeah, let's get that rune cloth to Dari Gods. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, yeah, like, I want to see more of the planes, like you had mentioned. Right now, it's obviously very early into it. I think it's, like, in alpha. Yeah. It's yeah, pre, I think it's some people said the video was even pre alpha, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it's even earlier than that. <laughs> see, but so, remember, like, yeah. Magic Arena was in beta. Is it still in beta? I don't know. <laughs> it was in beta for like the longest time. No, it's right. not in beta. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm definitely not the the target audience. I just don't really play that style of game. I did watch the video, and I was also expecting like more magic characters. I kept like having some names pop up of the characters. I was like, I have no idea who these people are. So I think I was expecting it to be a little bit more magic-y, but it is pre-alpha. All that stuff might be in there. It's like a 15-minute video, so maybe I just, uh, you know, the video is not showing that aspect of the game. So I thought it was going to be a little more magic-y than it was, but definitely worth checking out, especially if you're into that style of game. Yeah, like, I mean, like, from the people that played it and demoed it, they said it's pretty fun. They said it's pretty fun. And apparently, it's already, it's got some, some like, some hype on it already. Like, it, like, won, like, one of the, like, an award uh, at PAX, like, best show experience or whatever like it, it got it it's got some 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 hype in going into it and a lot of good reviews so far for how early it is, is it, in the game is it more fun than standard <laughs> uh yeah yeah i mean we'll see we'll see like <laughs> that's my bar for funness how does it compare to standard that's my bar <laughs> Uh, anyway, let's uh, have some fun of our own and wrap up our cast by answering some fish mail. Richard, take it away. All right. If you have questions, send them to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. At uh, MTGPackFoils, besides Alpha, Beta, Unlimited, Revised, what single set has had the biggest impact on Magic? Um. I Okay, so I'm going to say... Hmm. 
I want to say like Fallen Empires or uh, like <laughs> the bad ones be, because Homelands. because those sets are what like kind of created the reserve list. Like the, those bad sets after the good sets so you mean created Chronicles. the reserve list and really changed. I guess Chronicles is part of that too. But I think that changed like everything. I think that really we're still feeling the repercussions from the era right after those really good sets that kind of formed the foundation of magic. Yeah. I would agree. I think Chronicles, because Chronicles is what made the reserve list, and we're still talking about it to this day. We're still talking about reprints and maintaining the value of reprints. We're still denying the secondary card market and things like that. So I think it was Chronicles. Like Chronicles kind of opened that bag of worms and like, hey, cards have value and you can't just reprint things and people are going to get mad and stuff like that. And I think we're still seeing that to this very day. Uh, next question. Heartwood MTG. Do you think Mutate, as teased on the unsanctioned legend Surgeon Commander, might be an Ikoria? What do you think a blackboarded Mutate mechanic might do? What is Mutate again? Hmm. Yeah, who knows what Mutate is? Like, Mutate's a mechanic? Unsanctioned. I, I'm, oh. I'm looking it up. All right. <laughs> mutate. Oh, wait. It's a, it is a keyword from, okay, so Mutate is a keyword from, uh, Ikoria, apparently. It was first referenced, we don't know what it does, but it was referenced on Surgeon General Commander that just says whenever you augment, enchant, or mutate a creature, you can draw a card. Hmm. Uh, I, I still keep thinking that it's going to be similar to the augment mechanic, I think it is, where you can combine multiple cards together in some way to like grow your smaller things into a massive monster. I don't know if it'll just be like straight up the silver border mechanic, but my guess is it's somewhere in that ballpark is going to be my prediction. Yeah, there's because it's supposed to be like you build your own beast or something like that, right? And, yeah, and I, so I, like, yeah, I was thinking more like it'd be almost like kicker but it wouldn't and like when you cast a creature it'll have like oh if you pay a black mana you get to add death touch and all of this other stuff and you kind of just it's like questing beast before it it became questing beast <laughs> so like <laughs> like that's what i thought it would be when it came to building your own beast at least i think it would be like in like an aura like an enchantment that is like no longer an aura once you attach it. Like it somehow becomes permanent so that you can't knock it off or destroy it or something like that. So that you can use it on different creatures to mutate them differently, but it's not removable. No idea. Another flip mechanic would also make sense. Some sort of please no. Flip, <laughs> we have too many sides of thing. cards already. <laughs> <laughs> I, have we used them all? So sideways is tap. We have the upside down cards from like Kamigawa or whatever. We yeah, have yeah. uh morph cards. We have mega morph cards. We have face down cards. Like, do we still have any sides to flip to? Not really. We have flip cards. We have the meld mechanic where you flip into multiple cards together. We're we're running out of side unless you can use like the thin edge of a card somehow. Oh, it's like chaos over, so you gotta stand it up. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's yeah. <laughs> or you can like build like a card house, like you stack the cards on top of each other <laughs> and like cards in the house. And then imagine trying to get the oracle text from the card, right? <laughs> but but that's, like it's that's like, part of the ruling yeah, yeah. if you make the house fall over. <laughs> that's gonna be Ikoria standard, you just see who can build the biggest house of cards yeah. <laughs> and they and they win the game. <laughs> All right. Uh, Andy Rube Mager, do you have any insight on the correct move in EDH when you are in the kingmaker position? 
For example, if I take out player one, player two wins. If I take out player two, player one wins. If I do nothing, either player one or player two wins. Which one's the stacks deck? <laughs> <laughs> that I think that's what it comes down to yeah. for me. It's like who treated me who treated me well through the previous turns of the game and uh uh, and you know who do I have a grudge against from like previous commander games, and then I use that to make my decision. I never, I never try to make it with like like the previous games. It's definitely who has done what to me, like <laughs> in this game, right? Like I, so like that is one way I'll do it. Like 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 Seth had mentioned, if they've been good to me all game, uh, then then okay, I'll probably give them the assist on this one also which one which one is crim yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because we got to kill crim first so <laughs> that trumps all the other all the other criteria is crim involved yes or no <laughs> did he these are the check boxes did he play counterbalance no okay decision tree goes this way <laughs> is this king making i feel like at this point like you can't really fault someone for choosing one. I thought king making was more like you do something that doesn't make any sense that gives the game to someone. Like you I mean, have yeah. a wrath. Yeah. And then the board, like someone's about to combo off and win, but you decide not to wrath for some reason and then you all that, die. That is, I guess, by definition of what it is. But like also, yeah. Uh, like, yeah. I mean, you could, in a way you are still king making. You're choosing one person to win yeah. over the other, right? So, yeah. So like, in this case, you have to choose someone. Yeah. So I get whoever... Whoever had better politics with you during the game will, will get the win, right? And or who has who is the stacks deck? If it's the yeah, stacks deck, can how get salty that? are you? <laughs> <laughs> and always get rid of the I, stacks I deck. Default, <laughs> I often default to not doing anything too. Like it, that was one of the options on there. Like you can choose to help one person or the other, or you can do nothing and let them like kind of fight it out amongst themselves. Seth I think does like this all the time. It does this is all a choice, the time. Seth. That is a choice. <laughs> That's, That's how right. you draw always cards. win. Draw too. cards <laughs> and don't make any don't make anyone mad. That is my technique, and it works a surprising amount of the time. It has a crazy high success rate. We always just like blow <laughs> each other like stuff up, and then Seth just sits in the back. I'm just gonna draw 92 cards. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Bearded death dude. As someone with hearing loss, I sometimes run into opponents that speak too low at big events. Is it better to address the situation before the match and let them know I can't hear well? Trying to reduce stress for myself at events. Great podcast, by the way. I would say, yeah, uh, because I've actually played against a lot of people uh, that have either, like, example, uh, like, they they too are, like, they have hearing problems or they can't actually, like, like they their voice they they can't speak so they like i had the nicest opponent ever uh he wrote down on a, he had a pen and pad with him the whole time and he just wrote down everything he wanted to say to me and he told me at the beginning you know like he wrote he wrote throughout the match too like just friendly banter and i thought it was the nice like it was such a fun experience too like like it like it was like it was great and it, it helped him out and it helped me be aware of the situation so that was perfect yeah, I think that that's probably a, a fine way to handle it. Like if, uh, especially if that's something that happens fairly often that your uh, opponents are not speaking up uh, enough for you to hear, I think that's a, a perfectly fine way to handle it. And I would think most players that I know at least would be, you know, very receptive to that and would want to make sure they were, you know, speaking in a volume where you could uh, hear them and you could have a fun time playing the game. So I think that's a fine way to handle it. Yeah, like just do it at the beginning of the match because, like, I mean, there is no downside to just telling them, right? Like, the, like it's just like it's it's only upside and it's it's good. 
like that way he's like the opponent's aware and all of that so yeah all right tau and seven what are your thoughts on longer lasting rotating formats i like the idea of a larger card pool but i enjoy seeing the shakeup of rotation do you think wizards would create a format that rotates every year where sets are legal for say five years i mean hmm. it's modern isn't that kind of extended <laughs> well i guess you could say <laughs> modern. extended was like how many sets was it was it five it was- years no, it, it was like two around. years. Or no, I mean, it was a little more than... It, it was like, what? Instead of the eight sets in standard, I remember it was like... Oh, it was like like 12 sets? It just added four more sets, I think. It was like one more block. Or like two... I think it was there like was one like two three more years and six years at one point. Yeah. I, think it, I think it changed yeah. at, at various times. I think part of the problem is it's really hard to invest the prices that it takes for decks with that big of a card pool, like you're looking at pioneer slash modern card prices, uh, knowing that your investment's gonna eventually go away because of rotation. So it's a really tough sell to be like, okay, Jund in modern is $1,300, but your Liliana's gonna rotate and you're gonna lose all that, you know, all that value at some point. So I think that is a big sticking point. I think from a gameplay perspective, it could probably be an interesting format, but I think the economic aspect makes it hard to, uh, hard for a format like that to actually be popular in paper. I, yeah, see, if I see that format happening, it's gonna happen digitally. Yeah. Like, that's I mean, going to be an arena thing or, or whatever. I feel our existing formats effectively rotate every couple of years anyway. Like, I, I chance you to play Legacy or Modern with a deck from five years ago that was legal in today's metagame and see what happens and see sure. if it still looks the same or if it feels the same. <laughs> like, it is totally different, right? Like, we print enough new cards that it kind of, like, naturally rotates. Like, this wasn't the case years ago where these formats were slower, but now I feel like... You know, if you take a deck from five years ago, it, it would not fare very well in today's metagame that the, the format has effectively rotated and you need to update that deck or make a new deck or whatever. Probably, I'm probably going to get like yell, yelled at for this one, but like <laughs> I felt like at least Legacy has kind of stayed the same every time I've looked at it, played it. Uh, the only thing that's different now is that I get blown out by... Fail of Summer even more when at the end of like a, a Force of Will chain or something like that, right? So, uh, it, one of the topics we didn't get to that was on our list was uh, Underworld Breach, though. Like, Underworld Breach is the new best deck in Legacy to the point where they're like, oh, we gotta ban this. It's yeah. definitely gotta be banned. So, even Legacy does have shakeups to some extent. Although, I do think you're right that that's probably the format where you're most likely like elves or something in legacy. I think like the elves deck in legacy that people play today is very close to the one that people played like, I don't know, five years ago or something like that. So there are certain decks that tend to do uh, better like that. But I think with the focus on printing really powerful cards, I almost feel like wizards is intentionally doing this. Like modern horizons really pushed cards focused on modern and legacy and pioneer and standard sets. I think that's part of the goal Wizards has right now in printing cards is to make sure those formats are constantly evolving and not stagnating. Yeah. And I mean like yeah, like Underworld Breach being an example. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe too much of an example. <laughs> yeah. Underworld Breach. Ooh, that card is uh risky. It is risky. We'll see how that shakes out. Yeah. I mean, do you remember Red and Six Narset? Yeah. Dig through time, treasure cruise. This <laughs> past year, there's des- definitely been a Delver lot of changes. Secrets. Like, I don't know when Delver was printed. That's like six years ago. Remember, there was like a yeah, legacy before Delver. a lot longer. <laughs> was a thing, right? Yeah. People played Nimble Mongoose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a thing for a minute. 
Uh, Seb D831, if you could play a single deck for the rest of Theral Standard, what would be your choice? Oh, this one's... Uh, okay, so I'm going to go with a deck that's actually like somewhat competitive, but I think for sure, out of the competitive decks in Standard, that Teamer Adventures is the most fun by far. Like, that's the one like kind of tierish deck in standard that every time I play it I just I really have a ton of fun playing. I would say anything Grixis. <laughs> because Nico Bolas is still in the format and I if you're asking me okay it, it comes down to like how you how how this question's being asked like what how will I what will I play that is competitive or what will I play because I just like playing that. I like playing Grixis, and I will always force a Grixis deck at the beginning of any standard and throughout its life. But if I were to be competitive, I'd probably do something with Fires of Invention. I feel like as long as Fires of Invention is in the format, you can do some pretty wild things. And Fae of Wishes gets thrown into that. There's just a lot you can do. I'll tell you what my choice would not be. Mono Red. Do you guys remember how excited I was when I could first like light up the stage? <laughs> I've been lighting up the stage for like years at this point. I don't know what's going on, but like, it's I like, like oh, that I just phrase. Need, like, I just need four uncommons to upgrade my deck to like the latest standard. Like, I don't have to waste any wild card. I don't have to do anything. And then it's like so fast to get my daily events in that I have to just keep playing mono red, even though at this point I'm like so sick. <laughs> so sick of like watching like stupid fervent champion and <laughs> it, oh. uh, you know mono red is a combo deck right like you, you equip you it's equip a fair com combo deck <laughs> yeah you equip ember cleave and it becomes a combo <laughs> and, <laughs> and and i don't know why but maybe it's just on arena but i feel like there's <laughs> mono red always has ember cleave blue black x deck always has thought erasure and then <laughs> Cat always comes with oven. Simple as that. I've never seen those decks not have it. Because, <laughs> like, the other day, I think, I like, on stream, I was like, oh, what are the odds this red deck has Embercleave? They have it. Okay. <laughs> they literally, I, I go Thought Erasure, and they have it again. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Last question. <laughs> X Schwartz Blunt. <laughs> what is your opinion on using non-legendary creatures as your commander for casual games? And if you like it, what non-legendary creature would you love to build around? Oh, I think my non-legendary creature I would build around is Thief of Sanity or John Finkel himself, Shadow Mage Infiltrator. Oh, I, I'm Ooh. Muldrifter all the way. Muldrifter or Cloudblazer. <laughs> and I, I would actually, I think that would be fun. I think a blanket rule that any creature can be your commander would probably be really bad for the game, but I think it's something you do within your playgroup to, like, uh, keep things fresh. I think it's a really fun idea. Yeah, yeah, but and, and, but also, like Seth said, I can see a lot of people showing up in, like, a command zone and really abusing that, right? Like, oh, okay. I, I want, like, Goblin King as my commander. <laughs> Just, like, some really old-school, janky lord so that when you sit down, you're like, look, all I can do is give my guys plus one, plus one, and bounce and walk, or whatever. <laughs> I don't even know what Goblin King does. And I think that's I, it. I think that's pretty cool. Like, to, to use a card that's important to you. Because, like, of old cards, there aren't that many legendary cards, right? So if yeah. I want, like, a card from my childhood, I'm like, I don't know, like, 
there's only like five legendaries back then, so I can't really choose any. So just choosing <laughs> some weird janky lord would be my choice. <laughs> Imagine if I chose Grinning Demon. It's just like <laughs> I morph my commander. What is it? <laughs> Where, where's your commander? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Attack? <laughs> Do you block? <laughs> All right. Thank you to everyone who sent in their questions. If you have more questions, you can send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 266 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So Richard Krim, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So until then, this is the crew signing out. Yeah.